0: Thank you for being here this morning, and for those of you that are going to listen to this later, I'm sorry you missed it, but I hope your hot wings are great. Anyway, let's receive the Lord's tithe and our offering. Um, I'm kind of off kilter this morning. Jill is not feeling well, and uh, we've had a couple of busy weeks, and My daughter's clan has all been sick, and we went and saw them, and apparently she decided to bring that illness home. And last night, when she was in about three blankets and shivering, I said, I'll go by myself, which um, means I got here really early and then didn't know what I was supposed to do. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say this. I know she would want me to express uh, her gratitude and thanks for a couple of Sundays ago when you came up and gathered around her and prayed for her. And then this last week, the messages that we've received, um, we got to spend time with uh, Jill's sister, um, which we had planned a Southern California getaway. It ended up being a family thing. And and it was good that the girls had that chance. And my brother-in-law and I reminisced about playing golf with Jill's brother and how many golf carts we'd hit along the way. So, (laughs) Thank you for that, we do appreciate it. Um, One other thing, as you're preparing, uh, you you know by now that my wife and I have done a number of these kinds of assignments. And uh, I'm not saying this because I'm going anywhere. I told you the first week, please don't call me interim, I don't know what that means. Um, but we've done a number of these, and I will tell you that uh, we appreciate the embrace that we've received from this church family so quickly. Uh, one place it took them a year to embrace us, and uh, and another time it was nine or ten months. And uh, so it's been... V- <laughs> Refreshing to have people that seem to appreciate you show up, you know. And uh, we appreciate you showing up. So thank you for that. Uh, You're our church family. So Father, bless your people. Bless these gifts we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now I will ask someone, please, needs to take Jill's spot after service because I don't have gum or mints, and that's her custom to hand me something when I finish preaching so that I don't offend you. And there's none in my bag. <laughs> All right. Quick rerun. run. Yeah, please, please edit that out of the sermon. <laughs> Usually, Jill gives these out. Did everybody get a program this morning? Can you help me? Thanks, Skip. After today, I have two more weeks in this series on promises. You'll, you'll say, oh, man, you've gone a long time on one theme. Just know that there are 3,800-plus promises in the Bible. So if I was going to preach on every one of them, I would be a number of years before I'd be finished. And in fact, my son-in-law would probably have to finish for me because I don't know that I would last that long. But uh, next week, I'm going to speak to you on the promise of peace and uh, then uh, the last week, the book of promise. And then please be in prayer for me. I'm debating between uh, a series entitled Who's Driving Your Car? Highly requested, it's all over the internet, who's driving your car. I'm joking. Uh, or the Overcoming Life, I'm not sure which. I know I'm going to do two, I just haven't figured out the order. But uh, just, just for your comfort, I'm 24 weeks down the road, so I'm not going anywhere. Everybody have your notes? Jesus, help me to get focused, amen. What motivates people? What what motivates people? Pain, money, money. encouragement. Encouragement. That's just what I needed. Could have let a couple more stanzas go there. I was just. (laughs) Think our cell phones kind of. What what other things motivate people? What did you say? and you must know my wife mm-hmm. yeah we stop at Starbucks every week and she says I know we're running late what? but and then on the way home when we get an afternoon yes that motivates her so that's good what motivates people Unconditional love. unconditional love positive influences your children your children okay how about uh are there any negative motivations oh yeah, oh, yeah. To fire from job if you don't show up okay yeah the, the fear of firing so you show up to work yeah Sometimes, for me, it's a scale. (laughs) Oh, Those dips. (laughs) Yeah. That hasn't been working lately, but it used to. Um, How about fear? Sure. Worry. A lot of things that motivate us aren't in positive mode, are they? They can be very negative, and yet they spur you on. The problem is, with negative motivations, uh, the heart behind why you do it is not always right. Yeah? I want to talk about purpose, the promise of a purpose-filled life. I grew up in a little town. It was smaller than this town, and Sonora was 1,780 people when I moved there in 1965. We celebrated with great pomp and circumstance the installation of the first stop light in our county in 1973 at the corner of Washington Street and Sonora Road. That was very, very exciting. Where if you went to Tuolumne County, every car that came into Tuolumne County on Highway 108 had to go through that intersection It's a T-stop. You either turn right to Pinecrest or turn left to Columbia. And the whole county was backed up right there. Do you know the second largest parade in the state of California for decades was the Mother Motherlode Roundup held on Mother's Day weekend? Now, the number one is the Rose Parade. And the reason the, the Mother Motherlode Roundup was second is if you had a wagon and a dog, you could enter. And, and most people did. And that's kind of what we had. Um, i grew up in a town that uh, for many of the young people there was very little purpose in fact it was very interesting to me during the drought when uh, new malonish reservoir went down 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 and the old bridge across uh, the stanislaus river reappeared and many of my high school friends went down and posted pictures on the facebook of graffiti they painted on the bridge when they spent nights and weekends down at that bridge in the 70s, and that was in now the 2015, 16s. That was the highlight of their life, of finding their tagging. Hello? I know it was a big deal for me. I ended up being invited back to my home church. Unlike Jesus that wasn't invited back to his hometown, I was invited back to my home as associate pastor and principal of our school, And it was a big deal, because every time I was introduced by anybody in my congregation, to anyone in my community, they said, this is Mark. He's one of our pastors. He went off to the university. (laughs) That was a big deal. That was a big deal. I grew up in a town that a lot of our young people did not have purpose. And I'll tell you what, purpose is important. And purpose is a gift of God for us. And he has designed our lives to be filled with purpose, that there's a reason for being. We're not just dropped on here for a short period of time, have a few Super Bowl parties, and then check out. There's a reason for our life. There's a purpose for our being. Let's quickly define what purpose is. It's the reason for which something exists, is done, or is made. I have this lovely case on my iPhone 11 with facial recognition, and it says, Jill is praying for me to have a great day. I'm thankful for that case, because that phone's about two and a half months old, and it would be dead without it, because you saw what I just did. I tossed it. It is bigger than my pocket, so when I sit down, it often ends up out on the road. It has a purpose. I wouldn't spend what I spent for this crazy case to cover up my beautiful red phone. You see, I went really (laughs) wild this time. Can you see the little bit that it shows that I I was going to go crazy and go wild color instead of gray or white? But it's all covered up with that $50 case. It has a purpose. A purpose can also be defined as an intended or desired result, aim, or goal. In other words, why are we doing this? Well, we have an aim, we have a goal. I'm hoping by the end of the sermon you'll say, yeah, he had some purpose for talking. I'm I'm hoping, too, for me. (laughs) Sometimes purpose is determination. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get through. I'm going to push through. It's that uh, resoluteness, that since that I have set my mind and set my heart and set my direction, and I will not be deterred, I will not be denied, I'm going to go forward. Sometimes purpose is the subject at hand, other times it might be considered the practical result or effect to act out a good purpose, or a purpose can mean to intend, design, or to resolve. So what motivates people, or in your first point, or what are some misguided motivations? Some misguided motivations. Well, the first one I consider to be self-satisfaction. Self-satisfaction can be a misguided motivation. In Jude, if you're wondering where the chapter is, there's only one there, so it's just Jude, verse 18. They told you that in last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. When I talked about my friends that went out and tagged the bridge on on, on uh, Stanislaus River back before New Maloney Dam raised the water level 250 feet, their purpose was to go down there and get inebriated, and they did. I am very grateful to tell you that you will not find anything with my name on it down on that bridge. I would love to tell you I had the right motive. My motive was fear. If my dad found out, I wouldn't be alive. (laughs) (laughs) But for whatever reason, it kept me away from a misguided self-satisfaction. What's the problem with self-satisfaction? It's never satisfied. It's never satisfied. It seems like pretty good for now, but then I'm going to tell you my weakness. And it was my birthday yesterday, and my wife was sick, so I didn't get the obligatory carrot cake with the cream cheese frosting. Two doses. And she'll say, do you want a slice for your birthday? I'll say, yes, I do. And then when she goes to bed, I'll have another. But I I never do the whole slice. I always cut them in little pieces, as if that's going to make a difference. And then I get up, and I always get up before her by several hours. That's our custom. I slept in today till 5. And so, hey, there's that cake. I'll just take a little sliver. Always take a piece that you can just pick up, and it'll never fall apart. But you do that three or four times, and when she comes out, half the cake's gone. It's hard to reinvent. She goes, have you been eating all that? Oh, no, it's all over my shirt, on my face, everywhere else. What's the problem? And there's no sin. A carrot cake is a vegetable. (laughs) (laughs) The the problem is one slice is good, but it doesn't satisfy. So that's why we don't make that cake very often. And you don't have to say amen to that. I put this shirt on this morning. I know how tight it is. (laughs) Second... Another misguided motivation is materialism. Materialism is a big word for stuff. If you can't spell materialism, write in stuff. Stuff. The writer of Proverbs, the wisdom book, said a life devoted to things is a dead life a stump. That's pretty blunt. Do you know the house that we... Uh, built 20 years ago now, they had an option. You could have a baby room off of the bathroom. It's, it's uh, 10 by 12. So it would be a nursery, an exercise room, or they would take the closet out of the bedroom and make that the closet. Guess what we did? We were done with the babies. <laughs> We made it a closet. And about six years into living there, I took everything out and made it a (laughs) double-decker. Then when we moved out and we went to a normal house that had a normal closet, we discovered I only have two feet. What do you do with 30 pairs of shoes if you only have two feet? So you give them away. And there was a number of trips. And what was funny is I, I, I used to work in a profession I wore a tie six days a week. So I gave them all away. I kept two, one for your weddings and one for your funerals. <laughs> And what was real funny is I went to work for the state, and one of my coworkers walked in, and I saw his tie. And I said, man, I used to have a tie just like that. he goes, well, I got it at Goodwill. <laughs> Afterwards, I said, next time, just ask me. I'll give it to you. Matthew 16 says, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. Ecclesiastes forces. I observed that most people are motivated to su- success because they envy their neighbors. Mm-hmm. Back in yeah. You know, I, uh, when, when we built the Mather House, it was always funny because our neighbors would always come over and look at our backyard. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm putting in a paver patio. Two weeks later, a big truck comes up, dumps off a load of pavers. I thought, that's interesting. People are copying us instead of us copying them. That's the first time that ever happened. It became kind of a humorous thing. And then I put up an arbor. What are you doing? Oh, I'm putting up an arbor. Next thing. (laughs) What are you doing this time? Oh, I'm putting in outdoor lights. Ooh. And then a water feature. It was fun. I just wanted to see how far I could go before they quit copying. They didn't envy us. They just thought Jill had good taste and I, and I had good execution. Um, another thing that is a wrong motivation is approval. Approval. That's C. Approval. This was my big struggle. When you suffer rejection, as most adopted kids do, then approval is a big thing. And it's a big thing, and when you get approval, you're not sure it's real. Mark, that was a great sermon. Well, it wasn't great. It was good, but it could have been great had I not done this, this, and this. I'm just being honest with you. Approval. Galatians 1.10 says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. In other words, it's kind of hard to do both. Sometimes serving Jesus is just not going to agree with what people want you to do. Letter D, fear. Fear. Fear is for many a motivator. Romans twelve three says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And if you, it's not in your notes, but write this down, Isaiah 44. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you in the womb, and will help you. Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, Yeshua, whom I have chosen. Another motivation is letter E. It's a purpose-filled life. A purpose-filled life. John 10.10 says the thief has a purpose, and here's what it is. It's threefold. He comes to steal from you, to kill you, and destroy you. You say, well, if you're killed, aren't you destroyed? Well, yes, but when I'm no longer here, part of me is going to continue on because I have a legacy in my family. And I don't want that legacy destroyed. So I've shared with you that the day we dedicated Brinkley, who's our 10-year-old granddaughter, I looked at my children, who were both standing there, and I said, remember what mom and dad did that was right. Let that be your legacy. Let that be a heritage. Let you continue those processes on and on. I said, but you know what? Mom and dad did something wrong. I said this in front of a a very large audience. I said, and I'm not going to share with them. They all want to know. But you know, because we've talked to you. I said, so I want you to draw a line You draw a line, and the things that we've done wrong, you determine that beginning from now on in your heritage, it will always be done right. You can establish a godly heritage in the areas that we have not. I don't want God to stand by because of my choices and see the enemy steal from me, kill me, and destroy my legacy. But look what Jesus said. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying, another word there might be fulfilled life. So, what are benefits of knowing your life's purpose? What are some benefits of knowing your life's purpose? Number one is a simple point. That was a joke. Purpose simplifies life. Did you know when you have purpose, it makes your life easier? You get up, you know what you're going to do today. You know why you're getting up today. You don't ever wonder. My purpose is to serve the Lord. I made that determination when I was 22. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. I'll say yes wherever you want me to go, which is why when Pastor Rob, our founding pastor, sent me a five-page text and said, will you come to Yuba City and help the Rivers Church, I didn't read past will you, and I typed yes. Because at 24, I knew my life purpose was to say yes wherever the Lord would lead. See, it made it really simple. I didn't have to read all this text. Then he asked me if I'd talked to Jill. That was easy to answer. No. <laughs> Probably should have. <laughs> then I found out he was a wiser man than me. He sent the text to her, too. <coughs> so she saw the five pages. She saw my yes. She saw the question. She saw me saying, oops, I should have discussed that. And she said, I'm okay with it. Why? Because our purpose was determined a long time ago. We gave our life to the Lord. You said, well, your wife's not a minister. Well, yes, she is. And, you know, God has given her the career that she's had and her attitude. And, and the Lord has, has really honored her and given her positions of significance in our state. Not that she ever sought them. She doesn't. They call her, would you apply for this job? Why? I'm not qualified. Yeah, that's why we want you. And we've watched her career just go and go, and it's not for the money. She said, the Lord has given me this to support us in our service of ministry. That's a pretty neat attitude. 32 years in the state that she's served because it would support us in our service of God's people. See, it makes life pretty simple. When you know your purpose, our purpose is to serve God's people. So that's what we do. And when there's a chance to serve God's people, guess what we do? We do it. Life's simple. I don't have to wonder, is it? A pretentious, showy life is an empty life. A plain, simple life is a full life. What does purpose do? It provides focus. Ephesians 5 says, don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Again, when you have purpose, when your purpose is to fill what God wants for you, it's easy. Life is easy. Philippians 3 says, I focus on this one thing. My career, benefits, and retirement package. No, it says forgetting. Doesn't your version say that? Uh, Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. What am I focused on? God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? That's what I'll do. Life's simple. Philippians 3.15 goes on to say, let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it soon. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Life's simple when you have purpose. What's your purpose? To bring honor and glory to God. Do you know the scripture tells us that's why we were created? To bring honor and pleasure to God. Point C. I don't know if I gave you A, B, and C. I can't remember. Purpose prepares us for eternity. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. Did you catch that? For even people that don't know God, he has planted eternity. There is a sense in people that there's something beyond what we have. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. My dad was my hero. He had a stroke when I was 16. He died when I was 17. And so for a year and a half, I grew up at Old Oak Ranch. Some of you have been there. Skip was there this week. And all I knew to do was pick up the work that he did, and that kept us going. Because as long as the work got done, Old Oak Ranch kept giving my mom my dad's check. And finally, it came time. We needed to change. Camp needed to change. And I needed to go off to college, the university. (laughs) And I did. And I went to Oklahoma. And I didn't know a person at the school that I went to. I purposely did not go to our denomination school. There was, if God would have called me, I would have said, you're wrong. You got the wrong number. At that time, life was jokingly referred to as Life Bridal College, where you take in the soles, repair the heels, and send them out in pairs. (laughs) Um, Three of you got that. And so off we went to Oral Roberts. Got paired with a roommate I didn't know. God knew I had a short memory. He gave me a roommate with the name Mark. Oh. <laughs> Hello, Mark speaking. May I speak to Mark? This is Mark. No, Mark. The other one. I have no clue what you're talking about. Across the hall, guess who was there? Mark. Mark. <laughs> A month into my time there, I ran into someone I'd met as a junior in high school. Guess what his name was? Mark. Yeah. Lord knew I had a bad memory. One time there was five of us out of 30 with Mark. So I was O'Connell. And about 10 years after I finished college, I still went by O'Connell, (laughs) because that's how you distinguish yourself. What's the point of the story? I was in a place I didn't know anyone. I was wondering why I was there. I felt like I was abandoned by God. I used to get in my dorm room, and I had a curtain that covered up where my clothes were in the closet. And I'd get in there, and I'd say, God, if you're really real, you need to show up, and you need to do so soon. And I did that for two years. And I was mad at God. I was, I was very mad at him. i am sorry, Mother, but this is how I felt. God, if you were going to leave me with one parent, you picked the wrong one. Now, does that mean my mom was evil? Absolutely not. She was a minister of the gospel, served the Lord Jesus till all her life, and was always taking care of her little old ladies, which at her funeral, I found out, were all 20 years younger than her. She used to go lead services at the old people home. I found out that she was older than the people that were in the home that she was leading service. She wasn't a bad person, don't get me wrong. I just had a connection with my dad. And I thought, God, if this is the kind of God you are, that you take people. Because see, I, I had a whole mixed up thinking. I didn't understand. And so for two years, every day, I'd get in that closet. Here, I'm at a Christian university. God, if you're really real, you need to show up. And I'm going to chapel two or three times a week and I'm attending floor devotions four nights a week, and I'm getting in my closet and saying, God, if you're really real, you need to show up. And how did God prepare me for eternity? You're please. Please do not laugh at what I'm going to say. You can chuckle, but don't laugh at it. I was convinced to go on a retreat to a retreat center. Where did I grow up? At a retreat center. And it started snowing. And suddenly, we could not get out. And we were going to have to stay longer than we'd planned. What are we going to do for food? What are we going to do for this? Mark, you used to live at a place like this. What are you going to do? Why are you asking me? Well, you used to live in a place like this. Maybe you'd know what to do. So I went down to a restaurant that they were snowed in and said, here, here's the food. They gave it to us. Sweet. Now, this is the gross part. But this is how God can work. One by one, every bathroom in our facilities that we had rented were plugged up. till we were down to one usable commode. Not a bathroom, I'm talking about one, one. Are you with me? We have about 40 ladies. We got one. We got about 35 guys. We have one. Don't laugh at this, but there had been a prayer list of things to pray for that we actually hung outside the door so while you were waiting it'd give you something to do. And finally, the leaderships looked at me and said, Mark, you grew up at a retreat center. What are you going to do about this plumbing? Do I look like a plumber? Well, didn't you have this? Oh, yeah, I had that problem at Old Oak Ranch. Well, what are you going to do? And so I went and unplugged all of the toilets. And it wasn't a plunger issue. It was something on down the line. So you get the snake action. you know. And I'm saying, God, if you're really real, you need to show up. And on the end of that snake, as clear as I'm talking to you, was this sense that, Mark, I've called you to serve me wherever I call you. God showed up on a plumber snake. And gave me a sense of my purpose for eternity. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I suggest you answer earlier in the process so you don't have to get to the snake to have the message come through. Amen. What reminded me of that story is we came home to that very issue this week, and it was just a wonderful reminder. Is that okay? Our pastor met, heard the call of God on the end of a plumber, plumber snake. Letter D. Purpose provides meaning. Purpose provides meaning. Meaningless work saps our strength and robs us of joy. Isaiah says, "My work has been for nothing. I've spent my strength for nothing." Job said it this way. My life drags by, day by day, hopeless day. I, hope, I hate my life and don't want to go on living. Oh, leave me alone for my few remaining days. That's pretty depressed, isn't it? But when you have purpose, it provides meaning. Purposeful work also strengthens and empowers us. It strengthens and empowers us. In Ephesians 3.20, says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And then in Isaiah 26.3, the key verse for next week, by the way, You, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm and put their trust in you. Purposeful work strengthens and empowers us. Here's the key. Nothing matters more than knowing God's purposes for your life, and nothing can compensate for not knowing. I, did I put that in your notes? Yeah. Circle it, highlight it, underline it, because that's why it's called the key. Nothing matters more than knowing God's purpose for your life, and nothing can compensate for not knowing Him. You know, your purpose is not always your career. That's right. Your purpose is not always your vocation. That's right. I find it interesting that God wanted a lady minister in leadership in our state. And he sent my wife all over in places, encountering people, and her name is not, and, and it's just not her name. You see how she is. That's her. There's nothing presumptive about that woman, and yet God has put her in places because her purpose is to serve him in every situation that she's placed. Number three, we were created by and for God. Colossians 1.16, for through God created everything in the heavenly realms, for through him, Jesus. God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities, in the unseen world. Everything was created through him, dia, that's the word in the Greek, by means of him and for him. That tells you right there why we were created. The word, in the beginning was the word, the word was spoken. Who is the word? Jesus, who created us, Jesus, so dia through him, by means of Jesus, and why were we created for him, for relationship with him? We were created by and for God. Isaiah 44 says, pay attention, Jacob, for you are my servant, O Israel, I, the Lord, made you, and I won't forget you. That's good to know. Job said it this way, for the life of every living thing is in his hand and the breath of every living being. So if you're breathing, let's check. If you're breathing, we got two of you, that's great. If you're breathing, you were created by and for God because it says your breath is in his hand. Here's another key. You were conceived in the mind of God before you were conceived by your parents. I used to argue, God, why did you give me a woman inside? Now you say, what in the world do you mean? I grew up in an era where men and sensitivity wasn't a good thing. It was a feminine trait. Now I've come to recognize that sensitivity is an okay thing, and I actually embrace it because it helps me a lot. But a lot of my friends were the macho guys that I go, how can you do that to somebody and not realize how you made them feel? What do you mean, made them feel? I don't care how they feel. And I did. (laughs) And I used to argue with God, why why didn't you just make me insensitive and macho and uncaring? Now, all the opposites aren't feminine traits. It's just how twisted my mind was at that point in time. Then I came to realize, God put those things in me for a purpose. Letter A, God's had plans for us, Jeremiah 29. Many of you know this verse. This is what the Lord says. You'll be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I've promised, and I'll bring you home. Now, the context of this, everybody quotes this next verse, but the context of this is there's a whole bunch of prophets saying, this is it, it's all over. You're going into captivity. Nothing's going to happen. Don't listen to any of these positive things about things happening for you. Here's what God is. Here's what God is. And God is saying, don't you tell me what my plans are. That's the context of this verse. He says, don't tell me. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. You don't need to prophesy them to me. I know what they are because I'm the one that makes them happen. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, he just said, you're going to spend 70 years in captivity, but I still have plans. I still have plans for you. In those days, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I send you and will bring you home again to your own land. Don't tell me what my plans are. Why don't you ask me what my plans are for you? That's good. So God has plans for us. He also has a purpose for us. God has a purpose for us, Ephesians 1. It is in Christ that we find out who we are. And it's in Christ that we find out what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, listen to this, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Do you realize how amazing it is that when you think of all the billions of people on the earth, that he can look down and care for each and every one of them and have designs and purpose and plan, and yet somehow he can say, but then there's Mark, he's my favorite. I have plans for him. I have a purpose. Here's the last key, self-focus never reveals life purpose. God is not just the starting point of your life. He is the source of your life. Many of us think that one day, whether it was whether it will be today, or whether it was a week ago, or a year ago, or in my case, when I broke the window at the Minneapolis Foursquare Church and decided it would be a good night to get saved, because I was going to be meeting Jesus after the service. My dad was the pastor. I threw, should have been in church. I threw a baseball through the window of the church, decided it would be a good time to go meet Jesus, because I knew I was going to meet him. That's not the end that's just the beginning of a walk with him that's just the beginning and so this morning if we can calm our hearts just for one second and for the as courtesy and privacy for our friends if we could just not look around in the immediacy of this moment perhaps you have never said Jesus, I say yes to you so that I can discover the purpose you have for me. We know it's God's purpose that all should come to the knowledge of him through repentance. We know that. We know that Jesus was sent to die for all mankind, not one or two, or not the special ones. We know the gift of eternal life is available for whosoever will so this morning if you've never said yes to jesus and you'd like to make this the day that you look back and say oh i had a spiritual birthday it was the day after pastor mark's physical birthday it was february 2nd 2020 that's the day i said yes to jesus and began to discover my life purpose if you're sitting here and you've never made that decision and you'd like to do that i'd i'd like to just without looking around all you can do is just lift one finger nod at me let me know I'd like to pray for you this morning. We will not embarrass you. We won't make a public spectacle. That's not what we do. But if you want to acknowledge that this would be the day, that would be fantastic. All right. other thing I'd like to pray for you this morning is say, you know, I accepted Christ a long time ago, but I'm, you talk about purpose and meaning, and your life has direction and focus, and I don't sense that, and I'd like Jesus to reveal what he wants to do in me and through me. You say, would you pray with me, Pastor, about that? Would you just, again, just wave at me? Just do something. Let me see. Thank you. All right. father thank you thank you Lord for the opportunity to respond to your spirit who draws us thank you for the clarity your spirit can give us for our purpose and our future I pray, Spirit of God, that you would reveal the purpose of Jesus in all of our lives to each of us in a clear and distinct way that everyone in this room would look back and say, on February 2, that I met God in a new way and I discovered a greater sense of understanding of his purpose. That gave me peace and hope and a future It gave me value and worth and direction. Do that, I pray, in Christ's name. In closing, here's the promise. Your purpose can be discovered. When you come looking for me, he says, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. It's a great promise, a purpose-filled life.